As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to The Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday, on The Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to Tampering. We're this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Sam Panic. Uh-huh. uh-huh. To be able to bring uh-huh. people together. What do you do, baby? Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is stop talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Is right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. Very <laughs> <laughs> awkward to even talk about it. I can't even mention deans anymore. Actually, what I like to play with Kevin Durant. The trial, you're one with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. I have tampered with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast, part of the Athletic NBA Show Network. I'm Sam Amick, national reporter at the Athletic here, as always, with Fred Katz on the East Coast, Anthony Slater on the West Coast. Gentlemen, I'm skipping right over you today because we have a special guest, a friend of mine that I'm very excited to have on the pod, Gary Washburn of the Wa- <laughs> the Washington, I'm going to old school, uh, the Boston Globe. G. Wash, before you jump in... Um, it hit me today, my friend, you know, national writer at the Boston Globe, long profile that we got we to get through, UC Berkeley grad, author of the Spencer Haywood Rule with Mark Spears of ESPN. Definitely go buy that. Uh, fantastic job on that book. But in the here and the now, Gary, you are in our media circles known as one of the few folks who are out there living the road life during a pandemic. You have been traveling with the Celtics for quite some time now. And, and the part that... As if that wasn't interesting enough, the part that hit me this morning that I was somehow slow to to just kind of have land was, damn, Gary, you did three months in the bubble, man. And then you hit the road like this. Uh, you know, I mean, you getting cobwebs back at your house in, in Boston. Like, what is life like for you right now, my friend? Uh, actually, it's not bad. Um, it's It's been fine. Uh, it's just hard for me to cover games on TV. I just... the. The, the 10, literally, like, when I'm tweeting at games, there are, pe- there, there are people who follow me who are literally six to seven plays behind. So sure. I'm like, uh, you know, <laughs> so I'm like, so everybody's jumping me for spoiling, you know, like, you know, Tatum hits a three to tie the game, and they're, they're looking and the Celtics are down five. Right. So it's like, I'm sorry, what do you want me to do? I'm here. <laughs> so I I just couldn't do the TV thing. I just I really couldn't do the slowness. You can't see much like the It's just too much of a controlled environment. So as long as it was safe and everything seems to be some of the arenas are different experiences than others. It's been fine. Like Slater would tell you, I went to I went to like uh, Golden State, man, like. They tested you, which was a kind of a nervous, like, man, if I'm in California, I test positive. Like, I'm here for two weeks. Like, they're going to quarantine me. The Warriors right. are going to wrap me out. I'm going to be at the courtyard in Emeryville for, like, two weeks, just, <laughs> just sitting there waiting. So, luckily, I was I was negative. And, you know, and there's other places that are just, like, come right on in. Here's your temperature. Go to your seat. Right. And then you never see or hear a PR person from a PR person again. Right. You know, 
or they give you a little box, you know, bag lunch, like you're, you know, 12 uh, with an apple and a cookie and a sandwich and a bag of chips. Right. It's just, it's kind of, you know, it's amusing. <laughs> there, there, well, he mentioned it. There are those nervous moments at the Warriors games where you're like, you know, five seconds away from getting your result and you're like, I'm about to go in the game. But there's also my next two weeks could be very different if this yeah. lady tells me something very different right now. Well, so, it's, it's a good week to have Gary on. It's always a good week to have Gary on, but we got trade deadline season, gentlemen. And, and uh, so we're going to talk about Gary's road travels. We're going to talk about the league and what the heck is going on in the six degrees of Boston Celtics component to this trade deadline season. Cause Gary at, at last, you know, count for me, uh, you know, if, if I believe everything I read and if I believe everything I write, the Celtics are about to have like 27 new players by the end of the week. Yeah. They're always <laughs> in something they don't do, they don't do much. Right. Yeah, it's so, always something. you know, I, I certainly want to hit on that. Um, but, but I'm going to keep it, you know, on the the kind of the wavelength you were hitting on there, we see you here on Zoom. You're in Memphis right now. Memphis, you were yeah. in Orlando uh, last. Is it? Do I have that right? Where was I at? Uh, I was in Cleveland on Wednesday. Yeah. Okay. weren't you you Orlando recently though? Right. I read a, a magic story. No, Did I not? I, I uh, yeah. Well, they played Orlando yesterday in Boston. Oh, that was in Boston. I'm sorry, yeah. I had that wrong. Yeah. All right, fair enough. But I mean, give us the kind of the, the breakdown. You, you already hit on some of the, the color from the road, but the main question I was hoping you could hit on is going into the year, you know, none of us knew what to expect from an access standpoint. How are we going to cover this league remotely uh, and, the, and some of the frustrations that you talked about? Although, by the way, I think you just confirmed that you probably have like 15,000 scoops this season because you're actually scooping plays before people yeah, actually see funny, them. Yeah. I mean, you're breaking news game is off the charts <laughs> right now. But just why? Why did you, other than the discomfort that comes with covering stuff remotely, what was your thought process uh, in terms of deciding to hit the road? And, and then, you know, it seems like you're, you're pretty happy with the choice. How has it gone? Yeah, I mean, I thought, Sam, from the bubble, I mean, our perspective there was like unlike any other. I mean, hearing the players argue with each other, yell at the refs. Remember that instance where Rondo's brother was talking mess to Westbrook? Yeah, Westbrook's like, who's whose man is this? Shoot, I, mean, I chased you know, his brother out of the yeah, arena that I mean, night and just, talked to him. That you was know? gold. That was gold. Right. And as far as I felt like you could get a perspective um, that you couldn't get just what you just can't get watching TV. It just right. you just can't. Right. You could get you could see guys like coming off the bench with injuries. You could I mean, there's all that space beyond behind the bench now. So you can see guys you know, working out injuries, put, walking around, yelling at the, their teammates to, you know, uh, get a stop. Like the perspective that you have being there, especially with no fans, is just it's 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 priceless. And I think that's I just took that from the bubble that all the stuff that we took from there, all the things and obviously with the crowd noise. I don't think I don't know if you were there when the crap before the crowd noise, when it was like a library Right. In those arenas where you could hear everything, the shoes. No, it was sweet. loud by the time I got there. And, and just to give people that context, Gary did one of the few who did the entire bubble. So I was there for the second half. Um, I mean, who? how long was that list? It was Chris Haynes, Mark Spears. Um, yeah. Who am Sean I forgetting? Sean Powell was there when I got Sean Powell, but he left like a uh, – Unfortunately, we replaced by Sekou, the late Sekou Smith, for like right. the last month. Oh, dear friend. But uh, Powell was there for like the first two months. Uh, Tanya Ganguly was there for a good – yeah, there were people who split it. But right. I think Haynes, Spears – Haynes was there longer. Like right. Taylor Rooks, there were people who were there uh, pretty much – I think some people hit, hit 100 days. Right, right. I mean, and you make a good point that I, I could see, you know – Especially, listen, by the time we got to the end of the bubble, you felt somewhat spoiled professionally because everybody yes. else who does what we do didn't get a taste of that. And so I could see that carrying over to to this season. Now, I'll be honest, I went a different way. I, I kind of went in lockdown mode. I haven't been to a game in person since then. So it's wild to, to see well, your, well, your Sam, don't you live there. in Sacramento, though? I mean, is it? I do. Okay, I do. So, you, I mean, it's a, it's a king. So, I, yeah, I, <laughs> it's not, you know, it's it's not like you're going to watch high quality basketball 
on a consistent basis in hometown. No, oh, and Marvin Bagley's dad is going to come for you right now, Gary. <laughs> oh, no, he's going to agree with him, I think. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to demand another trade. So, yeah, I mean, I, I understand people's uh, resistance and understand the health issues. I just kind of felt like if it was if it was safe and the re- most of the teams have made it really safe to the point where I said you make contact with no one. I mean, I went to San Antonio, and they put us – it was like th- two two other guys. It was three of us, and we were like – you know, these all the arenas now have these, like, cigar bars, restaurants way up. I don't even say the 300 section, like the 400 section. Right. But they put us right in front of there, so literally the players look like ants. And I, I did not see a person from the Spurs at all. Oh, wow. Like, they just, like, have at it, cover the game. Wow. New Orleans, we were knocking on the wall of the top of the – I was three rows from the very top. So some places are not accommodating. Others, are the seats are fine. What's been uh, the best setup so far? Oh, boy. Uh, Staples Center wasn't bad. I heard I didn't go to Philly. I heard Philly was very good. Um, most of the seats are pretty much where they sat us before, you know, because obviously – Eight, nine years ago, they moved us from the floor and moved us from even close to the floor to sell our seats because we're just media and who cares about us. Right. So they moved us to like to the first day. I mean, the Warriors were great. I mean, you know, Raymond Ritter and those guys, I mean, they ask if you need anything. They got a person serving water. Other places, you can't drink during games. It's like, okay, I'm supposed to like dehydrate myself. Right. You know, hey, what's going on here? Um, so, yeah. Most of the arenas are, are, are solid, uh, you know, but there are arenas that are sitting us literally like, you know, the Bob Euchre seats, you know, Google that reference if you don't know it. <laughs> Warrior seats are actually better than their normal ones. When fans come back in, yeah, they get they? booted to the corner. And up. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. I was like, we're in a luxury bar. It was nice. So. There was even some initial talk about putting us down in those bunker suites that are, but yeah, they, they realized they could get some, uh, high quality uh, patrons in there and, and sneak them in. So, yeah. All right, yeah, guys, yeah. let's, um, I'm going to pivot real quick. Let's dive into the stuff that folks can never get enough of, but, but Gary, feel free the entire visit here to hit the pause button and share any tales from the road that come to mind. Cause, cause I'm endlessly fascinated by that. But um, on the trade front, give me your macro view uh, of you know, what this week might entail. Uh, we don't have big time names. James Harden already got moved. Bradley Beal's not going anywhere. You know, go on, even guys like Nikola Vucevic, I don't think Vuce is going anywhere. Um, but I, I think there's some interesting kind of, you know, B minus B names that, yeah. that, that are going to get moved. The Victor Oladipos of the world. Aaron Gordon could get moved. I think John Collins very possibly might not get moved. Um, but, you know, there's, there's a long list. But the Celtics... Because they have that $28.5 million trade exception from the Gordon Hayward signing trade, they've just been connected to everything. I've written about the Barnes stuff. We wrote about the Gordon stuff a little bit today. I think you mentioned a Cleveland situation with uh, Torian Prince and Larry Nance possibilities. Uh, You know, but you kind of alluded to it. Danny Ainge has become, you know, known as the guy that, that has his fingers in everything and, and doesn't actually pull the trigger. So, you know, what help us separate fact from fiction here. What do you think the Celtics week is going to look like? It's interesting, Sam. It all depends on how they view themselves. I mean, they're 21 and 21. They're a game and a half uh, behind my Atlanta. Believe it or not, Atlanta is now the fourth seed. Uh, I showed you how bad the East has been or mediocre, I should say. Um, so the four seeds very attainable. I think the top three seeds, you know, pick pick a team: Philly, Brooklyn, Milwaukee. I think they're locks for the top three. So now Miami, Indiana, the Knicks, the Celtics are all fighting for four in a first round playoff home home court advantage. So if they, I think Danny wants to wait till the summer to use this trade exception, but I think there's like kind of pressure to improve this team because. You have two emerging superstars in Tatum and Brown, two all-stars, and pretty much an aging kind of like not as effective Kimball Walker, Marcus Smart. Like you've got – they need help. And does Danny just tell the fans, hey, I don't think this team's good enough. I'm just going to let us, you know, get eliminated in the first round or maybe 
have a shot to win a first round series and get stomped by Milwaukee or Brooklyn and then just keep it moving and then do something in the summer. So I think it will tell the fans exactly what Ainge thinks of this team. I do think they'll make a move because they, they need help. I mean, their bench is just, it's pathetic at this point. I mean, they're running rookies out there. Um, you know, they're, they're relying a lot on guys like Simi Ojale, guys who are serviceable, solid guys, but on a good team, they're the 11th or 12th man, Grant Williams. So they've got to do something. I think the Aaron Gordon thing makes a lot of sense. I think Aaron Gordon's the type of player that, okay, like it's out the window. He's never going to be a, a mega star. Like I think he came into the league thinking he was going to be um, – he was just going to t- catapult and he was just going to be dunking on everybody. He was going to be Blake Griffin part two. It hasn't happened. But I think you put Aaron Gordon in a good environment with winning players, with a winning environment, with good players, he'll definitely improve because I watched him yesterday. He's got skills, but God, he's got no discipline. They, I mean, the Magic just firing shots up. I mean, they just, just, they're just out there going through the motions at this point. It's just typical Orlando. So I think Gordon's a guy – they should target. Now it all depends on what the Magic want to do, and whether it's and he's already requested a trade. Do they want to move on? Are they going to demand a first round pick uh, for Gordon? And what else? What else does do the Magic want? I don't think they need any of the other young players. I mean, they got Isaac, they got Bamba, they got uh, you know Cole Anthony, they got Markel Fultz. Like they've got a slew of like former draft picks they need veteran but so do they want a first rounder it all it's going to be interesting to see what teams kind of balk over the next three days and finally just decide to make a deal i mean gary one of the things that i'm really curious about with them is last year they were so good defensively and i i know marcus smart has missed half the season and I think of him as the defender, what everybody else does. He's excellent. When you lose Marcus Smart, your defense is going to get worse. But they've like they've really fallen off a cliff. And 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 when he's out there, the numbers say they haven't, you know, he no. hasn't made the difference in in making them, you know, an elite. They were top five defense last year, and they just have fallen into kind of a mediocre territory. I look at them and I kind of think they have a bunch of things to shore up, but I would imagine they would want some defensive reinforcements if they're trying to get better this year. What what are they prioritizing though? Like when when they look at the market and they think, okay, we got the big trade exception, even though they're constantly in talks for, well, you know, are they going to get Paul George? And then they never actually get yeah. Paul George, right? And Aaron Gordon feels like that to me. But the big names aside, I mean, what what actual basketball trades, even if they were to just kind of get a role player, are they prioritizing right now? I think they'd like another three and D guy. Like they need a. Du- like there's, let's say, okay, there's like a JJ Reddick's out there, right? Um, or was you know, there was talk there, but JJ doesn't defend; he's old, but he can shoot. So they'd like to get a guy who's young, who can shoot, maybe not as good as JJ, but who can shoot, spread the floor, and also defend. They need to get another athlete on the floor. They depend too heavily. Brown is a good defender, but he sometimes takes too many chances with steals. He sometimes falls asleep, a.k.a. the OG Ananobi play in the bubble where he just turned his head and got screened by Gasol, and then that changed the entire series. Like, there's little things Jalen does that's like he falls asleep. Tatum is a good defender when he wants to be. Um, Tristan is solid. Tice, but Tice gets too many fouls. This team fouls too damn much, first of all. Like, every quarter, the team is other teams are the bonus with eight minutes left. It's like – my goodness, like they don't know how to not foul. So they need a young three and D guy. I thought Prince would be perfect. He's not playing in Cleveland. Um, they're kind of soured on him. He had good years in Brooklyn. He, I mean, sorry, Atlanta. Then he was kind of a good compliment in Brooklyn before he got thrown into the Harden deal. So I, I think that's someone they should target. They, they just need an active, another active body. Um you know, they just need they need help. When Tatum and Brown go out of the game, they need to be able to compete. And that's not and I, I think that and then you've got this whole kind of point guard with Kimba Walker where if Kimba doesn't hit shots, he's sort of useless on the floor because he's not gonna rack up the assists and he's not gonna like he's gotta hit shots. If he's not a shot maker, then there's no reason to have Kimba Walker on the floor. And so far this season he hasn't been a shot maker. 
So that leaves a hole, and then defensively, teams go right at them, the pick and rolls. So this team has a lot of issues, but I think a 3 and D guy, um, a moderate salary, I, they're not going to use the whole 28 and a half. Um, they're not going to get, you know, they, they can't fit into, let's say, an Andre Drummond. Uh, Gordon or Prince are the two guys I think they need to go after. And I think, Danny, there's a pressure in Boston. There's a lot more uh, additions to the Brad Stevens needs to go fan club. There's that horde is starting to grow. Okay. Um, and there's a, a complacency that Danny is a lot of people say is way leaning too much on the 08 title. It's like, Danny, it's, it's 12 years, 13 years now do something else is kind of what fans are saying in Boston. Like, that's great. We love Paul. Paul's on TV. Kevin's selling, uh, vodka and Ray is like, you know, Ray's posting Instagrams from like excursions on, you know, in Mazablan or something. So like that's over and Perk's on TV, you know, Perk's the, the superstar. So like do something else. That's a long time ago. So I do think there's an inherent pressure on Danny to do something to improve this team, because at this point they're a first round elimination waiting to happen. Ray John Rondo. He's available. They can go. Relive it a little bit. <laughs> Sam, you had some reporting kind of on Orlando. Like, how you know, how available is Gordon? I mean, uh, it's interesting. Is, so. I I just talked to, uh, I think it's safe enough to share, I was chatting with our buddy uh, Jeff Zilgit from USA Today just a few minutes before jumping on the pod, and we were talking about the magic because Jeff had tweeted something essentially saying that, you know, yes, Aaron Gordon wants a, a new team, but the Magic, you know, are just definitely putting their heels in in terms of wanting something in return for the guy that that they drafted fourth overall quite some time ago. Never mind that it wasn't from this front office with Jeff Weltman and John Hammond, but it sounds like there's an ownership component where they're just having a real hard time wrapping their head around the idea that you would move a guy like Aaron Gordon without some real substance in return. So what I thought was funny is that, all right, you're going to dig in on that front, and the guy that – you might not be able to get what you want in, in Gordon. So maybe he stays, even though he's clearly looking for a new challenge and a new city and a new team. But meanwhile, with Vucevic, the guy who you definitely could get something good right now, you're going to play the other side of that that card and say, well, we believe so much in him that we're not going to move him. I mean, they could get a, a nice package from the Celtics, from a lot of other teams uh, for Vooch. So, you know, it's like I think the scenario does exist where the Magic – come out of the backside of the deadline, you know, with both guys still in Magic jerseys. The uh, the Gordon market is interesting because there's a lot of interest, but I just don't think teams are, you know, they're not showing the kind of enthusiasm that Orlando would like them to. Portland is is definitely in the mix. Uh, Denver's certainly in the mix. But like with Denver, to, to highlight one of the possibilities, you just kind of hear that with them, you know, they're not really eager at all to put any of their young talent on the table uh, in order to get him. Uh, and so I don't know if that ends up happening. The Houston thing, and, and Chris Haynes reported this today, was very, very real. And, and it does, you know, and I heard the same thing that sounds like Aaron and his kind of pushback on the Rockets front had a lot to do with that deal not happening because they were hoping to, to have him uh, do an extension on his way in. And, you know, he wants to be in a competitive environment. So for me, what's interesting, I mean, Aaron's not in charge, obviously. It's a trade situation. But you guys know that this is a there's a gray area where there's a lot of feeling out between the player and some of the possible teams. And he's sending some mixed signals to some teams where it's kind of like, all right, you've told the team that you want out, but you seem real hesitant with quite a few of the different possibilities. Uh, and I feel like right now that's what they're navigating through. And, and we'll see in the end if something actually goes down. Well, you know, what's so weird about the Gordon trade market. And and I'm Sam, I'm just going off your reporting. Like you just named a bunch of them. Houston, Minnesota, Denver, Portland. Normally when a team, when a player becomes available like that, and I know Gordon's 25, so it's not like he's some, you know, rental who's you know 30 something and you know is only only valuable to a contending team. But normally when a guy of that caliber and up becomes available, there's there's some amount of consistency between the market for those guys. You can kind of find a a a common denominator between the teams. 
And the Aaron Gordon market, it just seems like all those teams are going in completely different directions, right? I mean, Houston has lost a million in a row, and Steven Silas looks like he's losing his mind in postgame press conferences, and Minnesota has the worst record in the league, and Denver's trying to win a title, and Portland is trying to stay afloat with injuries. It's like we're covering every single team style that you could possibly have, and, uh, you know, Gordon, meanwhile, has a has a year and a half left on his deal, and, and you know, the, the an extension with with Houston makes it make more sense in a situation like that, where a team at that point in the standings is trying to trade for that guy. But that market is just, it's very strange. Normally there's some consistency between those teams and those teams are all in such different spots. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, the Minnesota one, I mean, we could, we could cherry pick a few different possibilities. The Minnesota one is, is interesting. And I, and I don't get the sense as of recording this on Monday that they're on the short list, but um, you know, okay. They're dropping games and they're getting used to Chris Finch and it's a new transition time for them. But as someone had kind of said to me yesterday, listen, you're talking about Carl Anthony Towns, um, you know, Anthony Edwards, uh, possibly Anthony Slater's favorite player, Cade Cunningham. Coming the Timberwolves way, <laughs> Gary. Before we got oh, on on the go. air, Oklahoma State alum Anthony Slater here was just just casting aspersions on Cunningham. And that is fault. That that is the <laughs> over exaggeration. I'm still I'm wearing the Oklahoma State uh, sweatshirt, but I'm still st- a little stung from the loss. I knew you'd back down. I get on the air, and you're now you're walking it back. But no, I mean, like if we Cunningham, have a draft, po- I feel like we have a draft podcast down the line. But that's all right. He'll 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 go number two after Buddy Bayheim gets picked number one. It's fine. (laughs) But then, yeah, you're not, you're not subjective at all, buddy. Um, But yeah, like that Minnesota is interesting because they, they could be popping if, if, you know, if Edwards keeps, you know, going in the right direction like he is. And, uh, but I don't know where he's going to land. The other thing that welcome to trade season where we are all guilty of, of forgetting, you know, how good or not good some of these guys are. No disrespect to Aaron. He's, he, you know, a couple of years ago, he was looking like a guy who might push for an all-star team. And I mean, Aaron's a good player, um, but he's been seemingly plateaued in Orlando for quite some time. I'm not convinced that, you know, he's going to land on any of these teams and and be the kind of impact player that they're hoping that, that he would be. And I think that's bearing out in some of the offers that, that we're hearing about. I think it's interesting here is that there's just so many, uh, like, treadmill teams here, like mismanaged teams, like the teams who have players that teams want Sacramento with no idea what the Kings are going to do. Right. Is Harrison Barnes on the block? Is Marvin Bagley on the block? Um, They don't take any step forward to say with Orlando, like they're just too, and Charlotte was in that till they, you know, got drafted LaMelo and then, you know, spent $5 billion on Gordon Hayward. But (laughs) like, it's like, these treadmill teams, it's just, it's just a, it's a testament to how mismanaged some of these teams are, regardless of who's managing them. Right. Like the Kings, like the Kings have had lottery picks for the last 15 years and haven't made the playoffs. Right. I mean, they've got the stock, you know, like Thomas Robinson, Tyreek Evans, like let's keep going down the line. Rookie of the, the year, Tyreek Evans. Yeah. 20, 25 and five, he beat Steph. Although I voted for Steph that year. But, like, Orlando, Mo Bamba, Jonathan Isaac. I mean, like, they've got these low – Oladipo they gave away for Serge Ibaka. Like, you're just talking about, like, bad managed – poorly managed teams. And we're looking at these teams and saying, what the hell are they going to do before the trade deadline? We have no 
clue. Is Orlando going to move? Is, is the DeVos family like, no, we want that 10th spot. They're four and a half back. That's what adds no clarity into anything right. is this 10 is the 10th spot because there's teams like Washington, Orlando, uh, in the West, you know, Memphis, who are like, hey, we got to get that 10th spot. So, you know, and it's just like, because that's playoff money they've lost from having no fans. So, like, it's a DeVos family telling Steve Clifford, go for it, um, or are they going to do a fire sale? I also think Terrence Ross is a player who should yeah. be way marketable. I think he's another – Orlando Magic player who in the right situation would be a tremendous pickup for a winning team with a winning culture. Not, hey, Terrence, go out there and just shoot to your heart's content and there'll be no discipline. Like, I think he would be another valuable pickup for a team. But what's Weltman going to do in Orlando? We have no clue. I, I like Terrence Ross as like a six-man type. He's got a decreasing – his contract is decreasing in salary decreasing. too, so it's a little more appealing to a team as well. He's – they like Terrence Ross though. Like also Gary, you get at, uh, you know, ownership groups that are, that are, you know, wanting to go for the 10 seed, which is a ridiculous term. I hate saying the 10 seed, uh, which by the way, it's a good life motto. About, Just go for the 10th seed. <laughs> I don't know anything about that covering the Washington wizards, by the way, I've, I'm totally unfamiliar with that organizational mentality. Warriors are locked into the nine right now. We're all uh, covering those type of teams. Exactly. It's, it's just, um, I mean, the, I think the play in tournament has, has totally changed it as well, which is the point. I, I think the combination make. Fred of the play in tournament and the economics that Gary alluded to are a powerful combo because owners are looking at it like, if you just look at it from a real life standpoint, like, oh man, I just lost a bunch of cash this year. How can I get some of it back? And they're looking with the short term view. I also, and, and then the flattening out of the lottery odds, I think is scaring owners more than it does front offices. Cause you, you feel like front offices are still looking at like a soft tank type of approach. And I thought that's what the Kings were going to do. You know, Gary, you kind of hinted at them. And, and then next thing you know, it was, nope, we're pushing it. We're going for it. We're going to, hold on to Barnes pretty tight. Um, you know, Bagley's Why? a different story. I meant to report it today, but for good fodder on the pod, I'll share that as far as Bagley goes, uh, the Kings had expressed interest in John Collins in a Collins-Bagley deal. I mean, that's not happening, but, it, you know, interesting to give you a sense of where their heads are at. But, um, yeah, I think the owners are, are, a lot of them are panicking. You know, I wrote that the Kings had lost $100 million, I mean, in, during the pandemic. Um, and so... Uh, it might not be the prudent thing to do to let that affect your strategy in the kind of way that's going to have long-term impact. But a part of me does get it, uh, but it's making for a really, really muddied uh, kind of trade deadline season. Right. And the Kings are not the only one. Yeah. I mean, the the Wizards, you know, Monumental Sports and Entertainment, who owns the Wizards, Ted Leonsis' company, has furloughed or, furloughed or laid off 40% of their employees, 232 out of about 600 employees during the fall. So, like, there are so many ownership groups that are that are wanting that money. I, I always wonder how how they really weigh how much a high lottery pick could bring in in future revenue. There. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's short term you know, thinking, especially exactly. this year where it's like, OK, you get in the playoffs, you get in the play in. Let's say there's a chance you get one game. Is it even at home? I mean, you might not even get a home game. Number one, let's say, OK, you sneak into the first round. You probably get in wax. Let's say you have two home games in the first round. Are fans going to even be at these home games? You know, 2000 fans, let's say, are there to, to watch you lose. Whereas if we talk about getting money, you know, get yourself the best lottery odds in a draft that draft experts say five potential franchise changers at the top. Like I know Slater says four. Slater says four because Cunningham's not on the list. I did not say he's not a franchise changer. I just was a little disappointed in the end of his season. That's all. Um, but my point is like it's short term thinking. And the funny is, thing is, the, the, the teams that I think were smarter about it, the Thunder, for example, Andrews Thunder, are winning too much this season, even though they're trying to sell off. Whereas the team with the worst record in the league right now, Minnesota, is really trying to win because their first round pick top three protected is owed to the Warriors. It's just, it's been odd. I think Houston, as bad as it seems right there for Steven Silas, like they're going the correct direction, I think. You should be wanting to lose this many straight games, even though it's obviously It, it didn't look that him. way on that on that yeah. Zoom call yesterday. I'm man, not I saying like, <laughs> it's got to be tough for him, but I just mean organizationally, if I'm Houston, like, 
don't try to get the 10 seed. Try to get Cade Cunningham or, you know, Jalen Suggs if, if, if yeah, you prefer that. <laughs> or one of the other guys. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. I know I'm looking outside right now. Sun's out. Birds are chirping. It's time to start getting outside. Uh, I know that I like to get outside and play basketball with my kids. And honestly, I need to get into a fitness routine in order to keep up with these guys. And Peloton is there for me. Peloton's varying class links were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class, or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. Peloton's classes were made to challenge you. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you're already excelling in. Peloton's program and instruction push you to be your best. Their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run indoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. That's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. The Houston one, um, I don't know if you guys have any intel or insight on this one. If you talk about the, you know, just the best names that might be on the move um, this season, again, it's kind of the second and third tier type players. Oladipo is a guy that, that you know, we're talking about a lot. And uh, Victor Oladipo, the name, I think, is still higher profile and better than what he is on the court right now. But, there, you know, he's young enough that teams still think he can get it together. You know, the health has finally come around for him. You always hear the Knicks tied to Oladipo. You always hear Miami tied to Oladipo. So for the Rockets, it's like that ship has unofficially sailed with him being a free agent this summer. Uh, you know, and, and he's certainly a guy that could be on the move. What do you think might uh, lie ahead for him next couple of days? I think he's got to be. If I'm Houston, like he, like I, I, I saw them uh, last week, and they just like I feel bad for Steven Size. I think everybody does because they got John Wall to team with potentially Harden and Demarcus Cousins to try to like make the playoffs, right? Right. Then. Boogie gets waived. Harden asks for a d- get the hell out of there. So now you've got $47 million wall and, uh, you know, Kevin Porter Jr. in the backcourt. Like, so they're trying, to, they're trying to nurture Porter to be the point guard, but you've got John Wall there who's now healthy. Then you've got Oladipo who's like, who's like, F it, man. Like, I'm trying to up my numbers because I'm trying to get traded because I want, I want Max this summer. So they are a team on 10 different agendas. Are they trying to lose? Which I think I agree with Fred. Like I would try to lose, like try to get Cunningham. uh, Maybe not Anthony might not take him or uh, Suggs. I'm I'm being painted as a Cunningham (laughs) hater. If you want Luca Garza, if you want whoever, the kid out of SC Mobley, whatever you want, like get another but it's like you've got Wall on an agenda and who makes too much money to move. Uh, Oladipo's trying to get the hell out of there. They're trying to nurture kids. And they're playing a bunch of just guys. And then you got Christian Wood. Like, it's a mess there. And so if I'm management, you got to move Oladipo somewhere to get something for him because he's not coming back. So you made this Harden deal to get a bunch of picks. You've got to try to make it worth your while. I got a text. Gary, I have a question. For, oh. Yeah, no, Sam, and I, I wish I could insight. Re- go for it. It's not inside. It's it's uh, attempted comedy. I forget who sent it to me, so I feel bad not giving credit where credit's due. Somebody texted me yesterday, um, 
and said, we got to get Kelly Eco the hell out of Houston. He's the last man standing, you know, <laughs> famed Rockets beat writer who has, no. you know, gone from covering a title contender to a, a 20 game losing streak. But Fred, go ahead. You were going to jump in. No, I was, I was going to say, oh, I mean, look, we, we all know how the NBA works. We all know how this podcast works. My internet cuts out and, and we, yeah, the once once league, a pod, Gary. He's Fred's only good for one Wi-Fi glitch per pod, <laughs> and there it is. All right, commence. I'm, I'm nothing if not consistent. The way the league works is you do your intel before you trade for a guy. Is this an intel fail on Houston trading for a guy who was on the last year of his deal, who is going to command however much we think he's going to get, whether it's a max or less than a max? I think it's what they. I think they. I think they kind of try to gloss over. Uh, what their intent was when they did the trade. Honestly, I think, I mean, they had a chance to get Karis Levert and who had multiple years on his deal. And, you know, you could certainly argue is, is as good, if not better player right now. You know, and, who else uh, they had a chance to get Ben Simmons. And it's clear, right. you know, think about what it's clear that there's such a long-term project of a rebuild there because right. Ben that Simmons one, there's a lot of noise about, I mean, it's not just noise. I mean, there's certainly the idea that Tillman Fertitta, wasn't real excited about, you know, doing a deal with Daryl Morey. Um, and, and so that that might've played a part, but for sure, Great I do think they, right. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I think, I think with Oladipo, cause when you would ask the questions about Oladipo and where he fit into the Rockets plan after that trade, there was just, there was a lot of hedging, you know what I mean? Uh, so I get your question for sure, Fred. I actually think that out of respect for Victor, they've tried to split the difference and not really let that narrative, you know, grow that we didn't really plan on him being part of this. They're asking for too much, too. It's similar maybe to the Orlando Gordon situation. And probably worse because right now Aaron Gordon, to me, is a more appealing player at that salary number. And he's under contract next season. It de-escalates down to like $16 million. Um, right. But Houston's just asking too much for Oladipo. And I think teams are just waiting for it to get closer to the deadline because as we all are agreeing, like they kind of have to move off of them. They're the one that's more pressurized than some of these other teams. So I assume the price tag will go down. And if it does, does it go down to a point that some team pulls the trigger? Right, right. Slater, before we uh, we get down the backstretch here and let you know Gary go sightsee in Memphis and do what you do on on NBA road trips, I'm just jealous, man. I look at your background. I haven't seen a hotel in a long time. I don't know what that's like anymore. But Slater, um, Warriors talk. I we talked offline a little bit about how the Warriors and we reported this today that you know they'd shown interest in Bogdan Bogdanovich. Um, kind of gives you a sense of where their heads are at, what type of player they they would love to get their hands on. And that package, that was a Kelly Oubre thing. You you hear Oubre's name out there a lot. Um, you know, what do you think lies ahead for them? Well, he's the name they have to decide on right now. Everything else, you know, they're not they're not pushing for a title run this season. They're not rebuilding because they want to be a title contender next season with Clay Thompson's back. But they need to decide on Oubre before the deadline because he's an unrestricted free agent. He can walk and because they're so cap strapped elsewhere that 14 million right now that they're giving Ubre, if he leaves, they can't just obviously turn and flip that elsewhere. Now they can try to do what Boston did, maybe get a trade exception and a sign and trade or something like that. But before the deadline, they are canvassing the entire league for people in that salary bracket, which includes Oladipo. They've sniffed around on him for sure. The price tag has just been too high from Houston. Um, the, what's you your, know, what's the, what's your sense of the price tag? Uh, you know, everyone really is appeal, you know, is interest. Anyone that talks to the Warriors always wants to mention this Minnesota pick because it's top three protected. Minnesota is currently the worst team in the league. There's a chance right now if the season ended, Minnesota is the worst team in basketball. There's a 60% chance that's either the fourth or fifth pick in a draft that people say, like I said, five potential franchise changer. So there's a 60% chance you could get one of those five guys if Minnesota has the worst record. So teams, it's a little bit like what Boston dealt with when uh, you know they had all those great picks and young assets where if a team's calling you for you, they're not going to ask about your you know secondary third assets. They want to ask about all the sparkling ones. Wiseman and the Minnesota pick. Now, the reality is the Warriors, unless it's Brad Beal or something like that on the table. They're not putting either of those assets in a discussion. But I think I think for the right guy, they'd be willing to throw one of their future first in with Kelly Oubre, who's a good player. Like when we talk about Atlanta, Bogdan Bogdanovich, um, you know, if if Bogdanovich and Oubre flip homes right now, I'm not sure like Atlanta's necessarily like worse this season. I don't know that that, you know, hurts their 
playoff chase that they're clearly prioritizing. Like Ubre is a helpful rotation piece. The appeal for the Warriors is, you know, for this theoretical deal we're talking, Bogdanovich, you bring him in, he's making 18 million the next three seasons beyond this. That's price control for them. And they know going into the summer that they're that they have that salary slot locked in compared to with Ubre. They don't know if they want to commit their that future salary slot to Ubre yet. And they also don't know if he wants to commit to them. And that's just what they're deciding. To me, this week is about his salary slot for the Warriors. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be interesting to watch. I, you know, on the Hawks side of that, I don't know how to read the room in terms of Bogdanovich because, you know, he missed 25 games with the knee injury. Uh, had a really good game the other night against the Thunder, like 23-6-3. and And, you know, Nate McMillan has been doing some different things uh, in contrast to Lloyd Pierce to try to get Bogdan involved. So they're not down on him. He's one of those gray area guys where they're listening because, you know, let's not kid ourselves. 95% of the league is, you know, not good enough to where, you know, teams listen on everybody. So we'll see what happens there. Gary, uh, I need a few more stories, brother, from, you know, this weird world that you're living in. You know, I don't know exactly how to throw it to you other than like, you know, has, you know, give me a top three kind of highlights or lowlights or things when you've been on the road, just kind of laughing to yourself, like, man, what did I get myself into? Or things maybe you saw that you never would have seen if you didn't make this choice. Because I mean, just to make sure the listeners understand it, 99% of the NBA media industry, if not more, is still doing things remotely. And, you know, and so you're out there, you know, even you casually mentioned a second ago, you know, oh, I just saw the Rockets. Like we used to say those things. We don't yes. say them anymore because <laughs> yeah. yeah, that means funny. you saw them in person. But, uh, you know, give us a taste of it. Yeah, just like, I mean, it's easy. I mean, stuff, no one knows where you're supposed to sit. So you go in and you just get this number and like you ask the usher or ask the person credential and they're like, you know, because they're not used to dealing with the media anymore. Uh, you go to a city and you're like, okay, does the team know I'm here? Because because usually when you go into a city, you get the welcome to Memphis, welcome to Chicago. Uh, this is where you enter the arena. Like, and I'm just like emailing, hey, do you know that there's someone here covering the game? And then you could just see them probably on their phone, like, oh, sh- oh, okay, hold on, let me let me put together this like little obligatory email. I haven't done this all season because there's nobody traveling. Um, it's just it's just interesting. Like uh, Phoenix, I was there for the first game where they had fans. That was a little awkward. Like you're just trying to not be close to anyone. Uh, but it was like first responders and their families. And I think that was pretty awesome. Um, it's just it's it's pretty like the whole the the whole thing like the lunch, you know, or the little here's a here's a box lunch with and it's like it's kid stuff you know right a, a cookie is it like a, a transformer or, lunch pail yeah you get something exactly like that? you get a little, little, <laughs> little toy it's just like what, what the hell um and and you know but you can't eat it can't eat at your seat so you gotta right. eat in this little designed area it's just like i just think the nba teams are on total scramble mode with how to deal with this. And Are you uh, in the bubble? One of my favorite things, and man, you talk about that environment being static and repetitive and, you know, Groundhog Day. It really was. And so uh, one of the things I learned quickly in my bubble stay is I would look out my window uh, from my little casita room. And about the time I was waking up in the morning, because I'd be guilty of sleeping in, I would see Gary Washburn finishing his morning run sweating like a dog and yeah. <laughs> working your ass off. But, you know, you were diligent about it. you still doing the the uh, the road run yeah. in this environment? Or, yeah, or you try to find, you know, the hotel gyms are kind of a uh, crapshoot. Some are closed, some are open. In Dallas, I found a trail to run. You just, it's sort of like you just got to kind of wing it at the right. times. Like, uh, but honestly, it's been, I think, a good experience. I've gotten to see a lot of things I probably wouldn't have seen on TV because I've done some of the TV stuff at times. Um, and I, I think it's a good experience, but obviously the safety thing, I understand. Uh, we'll see what happens as the season progresses. I know Boston will Monday will let in fans for the first time. And I know other um, arenas are going to start opening up and we'll see how this goes here over the next few months. And we'll see about the, as Anthony mentioned, We'll see about the playoffs. Like, right. are they going to have 10,000, 5,000? Who are, you know, what's going to happen um, in the playoffs here? So I think the league has got to kind of figure out. I think they, first of all, like, 
the players got to start getting vaccinated. And I know they've got the incentive for them to get vaccinated now with the lift of restrictions. Like you can actually have a guest in your room. I think that will help. Um, but I, but I also think that I think kind of states and cities are just fed up with the constraints and just like, let's just try this and see what happens, which I'm not sure is the best philosophy, but right now I think that's what the NBA is going to do. They're going to start letting fans in. Right. Right. Gary, great stuff. Um, guys, before we go, just to make sure it has a rightful presence on the pod in the course of us talking, as I'm sure you've seen on your phones, uh, Elgin Baylor passed away. The, the Lakers legends, longtime Clippers executive, uh, an absolutely iconic member of the NBA family, 86 years old. Uh, you know, so rest in peace to Elgin and, and certainly thoughts and prayers with his family. It, it, it's sad, guys, that, uh, you know, you think about his legacy and maybe I'm showing kind of my age in terms of, you know, where my awareness was. But, you know, I covered those Clippers teams that were owned by Donald Sterling. And, and so on the back end of that, you know, Elgin, sued Donald for wrongful termination, uh, pulled the curtain back, uh, you know, kind of once the chapter was done for him on on kind of Donald's sensibilities in the way that that franchise had been run. And and there was a lot of value in that. Um, but but as a player, just an absolute monster, 11 time all star and, and a guy who will uh, who will sorely be missed. I didn't know Elgin. Uh, I, I came across him in, you know, Staples Center passings every once in a while. But but certainly he will be missed. Yeah, I covered the Clippers my first NBA beat where he was a GM, and uh, it was the the late '90s, so uh, it was you know it was a lot going on. I felt bad for Elgin because his managerial career kind of clouded, and then especially when you had Jerry West on the sure. other you know on the other side of Inglewood, signing Shaq and drafting Kobe or trading for Kobe with Charlotte for Glady Divox. That's uh, a great deal. So if you West on one side and then you got literally, you know, Mike Oluwakandi and Danny Manny who tears his knee up, just, just a lot of bad luck for Elgin. And I felt bad that that might have tainted his legacy a little bit, that it didn't work with the Clippers and then him having to sue Donald Sterling. It was funny, a quick Donald Sterling story. So he fired Bill Fitch in 1998. And I think Bill Fitch, was 67 years old, something like that. Uh, so long career, you would think, to retirement. So he, Sterling decided not to pay Fitch for the rest of his contract because Fitch didn't go try to find another job at like 68. So <laughs> I just thought that's a terrible, I mean, if, yeah. if you want Sterling in that show, like he literally had right. to force Fitch to, get the, you know, sue to get his money for the rest of his contract because he didn't go find another job, you know, after social security, after retirement. And you're right. I I do remember those years, Gary, where it's like the kind of the undercurrent of Elgin's Clippers executive tenure was he, he would take a lot of the blame and people would constantly ask like, why can't they ever figure it out? I think it was 22 years he was there. And, you know, we were, we were all way too slow and and way too naive to, to kind of, you know, really highlight the way the franchise was being run. Um, So, uh, I mean, listen, 86 years old, uh, that's that's a long, healthy life, but certainly, uh, again, going to be missed. Guys, I appreciate it. By the time uh, we visit next week, uh, you know, I'm thinking at least a couple of these guys that we've talked about are going to be on the move. But, Gary, stay safe, brother. Great to see you, and thanks, and thanks for coming on, man. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. You got it. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks.